is a um, a motorcycle driving past right now. Have you seen <laughs> one of my favorite memes of all time? It's like they hated Jesus for he spake the truth, and then it's Jesus and a speech bubble, and it says "bike" is short for bicycle, and somebody in the crowd <laughs> is just like, "Shut up!" <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> James podcast, a podcast that digs deep into the dreams of our listeners normally. <laughs> Guys, we're laughing because we literally have been having a conversation on Zoom for forever. Like we press two record hours. to start recording. <laughs> like no interruption. We've just been talking, catching up, and then we go to start recording and immediately the internet gives out. <laughs> so, so anyway. Anyway. Uh, hi. How's it going? <laughs> Um, pretty good. Um, you know, hi. <laughs> hey. Um, um, off top, let's go ahead and give a, a little clippy clappy for um, JC. Um, thank you so much for standing in for Ryan last week. Really appreciated it. Really enjoyed having a Wildest Dreams podcast, Black Edition. Um, I am very grateful to be surrounded by intuitive people. Yeah, thank you again, JC, so much uh, for coming back on and getting to have some fun with Yvonne. I appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciated this sort of just. I needed just a just a minute to catch up with me. <laughs> I um my um room was an absolute mess. I had clothes everywhere. I've been working like close to like typically a normal work week for me is like you're hitting like a solid like a maybe 38 37 hour work week um and lately it's been like right at 40 41 42 43 i've been uh, getting some overtime here these past couple weeks because things are um just absolutely wild so i just needed a second to (laughs) pause figure it out mercury remember what i said at the beginning of the retrograde when i was like hopefully it won't kick our ass. I think I might've, I think I might've oh, jinxed us. God. Or at least all. myself, because that was so hard. 
First of all, um, tell tell the people why this episode is going to be different. So then we can tell the people why we are no longer going to be offering um, what is the word? Everything the else. Word? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, so not last episode, but the episode before I had said that um, I had promoted my little Poe Corner and that we, I like to throughout Halloween read little spooky stories live on Instagram. Um, and yesterday I was just, I was pre-reading the story and I got so inspired that I put together, I like recorded it and edited it and put it all together um, to make it like a true little spooky story. So um, this week, instead of releasing a dream, um, we're going to go ahead in lieu of, uh, or in, in, celebration of spooky season i'm gonna go ahead and release the poe corner episode so that way you can listen to a little spooky story this week and then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled dream and final episode of season three um next week for halloween yeah um i'm really excited um i i told ryan something i've never told anybody and now i'm gonna tell hundreds of potentially thousands of you that when I'm really stressed out um I listen to grown-ups read children's stories on YouTube so I'm really excited to see this new iteration of Poe Corner yeah I really don't know like for I could just like I typically don't pre-read the stories and I read I like which I should do, but yesterday I had time and, you know, I, so I was just pre-reading the story that I wanted to read, which ended up being the Nightwire. Um, and literally in my head, I could sort of hear the effects that I wanted to put into it. So I was just like, I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and like record this and have, have a little bit of fun um, just because of the way that the story went. So it, yeah, so it turned out being a lot of fun and now I'm, I might've, created a whole October side project that I didn't mean to but here we go I guess that's literally how it always literally so many of the things that I do um or like I guess the things that I'm working on right now I was like hee and now it's like oh no I'm in love with this and I need to see it through <laughs> like I want to exactly listen like how it goes I want to listen to it again. I'm not even gonna I'm not I don't, just because I'm like I'm so tickled I think by how it turned out and just like it it's it really turned out exactly how I imagined whether you know and it's not these these Instagram lives like I go live and um you know it's not a ton of people that pop on but I get a lot of messages after that sometimes say that they like listen to it after or, and it's a lot a lot of them like this one I think turned out to be 17 minutes but there's sometimes like half an hour depending on the story that right. I read so it's like it really it is kind of a commitment if you're going to jump on but if right. yeah if you can sort of listen to it, just like a podcast you can sort of listen to it whenever now so i'm like hmm i'm excited i'm excited for y'all to hear but before we do that um we need to talk about why we're moving away from patreon yeah let's tell 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 people the, the good news Ivana. um <laughs> let me start with the bad news so um a friend of mine brought up that Excuse me. You hear that Ooh, noise on my throat? Yeah, I what did. That hell? came. Uh, <laughs> what demon is trying to escape my belly? Anyway, speaking um, of ASMR TikTokers. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so a friend of mine and I were talking about a separate entity, a different creator um, who offers things through Patreon. And um, my friend was like, I had to unsubscribe because the cost of Patreon went up. And I was like, what do you mean it went up? 
we did not know that Patreon charges users a flat rate, a flat monthly rate on top of everyone that you support, which then means that it takes our, our lowest tier is like $3. That means that it takes our tier up into the teens and that becomes instantly inaccessible. And plus and- to, to be humble, we've not received any support through Patreon. And it's obvious that if we are going to try and monetize that our audience is not where we're going to get the bulk of that gain from Mm -hmm. and exploiting well it's not exploiting y'all um but like to avoid exploiting y'all further through patreon we're going to be moving away from patreon and finding other ways to monetize because this podcast does cost us money to produce and that money is we set aside a certain amount a certain percentage of our salaries to make this happen but it's a very small percentage because we have things that we're trying to do. We have car payments. We have cell phone bills. We have dogs that need to go to the vet. Insurance. We have, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we have things that we want to do to feel good that ex- also exists outside of creating this, but we don't want to stop creating this. So we are in the process of switching to something that should be more sustainable, that should still give you all the option to support us monetarily without that initial barrier of the um the fee for usage and i want to say too i'm not i'm not a member of patreon so that's not it's not something that i would have known like to that you had to pay a monthly fee and to be completely transparent when yavana and i were setting this up there was no indication that there was a monthly fee for their listener for their users yeah they they let us set up our tiers they let us set up the prices and so we understood that to be flat rate or like bottom cost not that i did not realize all of this talk yeah like and all of this talk and hearing about patreon and other podcasts and things like that i had no idea that there was you had to pay for patreon and then like further pay for your like who you're trying to support so that's just that's kind of some bs and like it needs to be or at least needs to be promoted better because i don't think we would have started there right right um i also feel like i understand that patreon has to i guess what's the word make their they own have, money right they have, to make their own <laughs> money. they have people that they need to pay you know they have people on the payroll they have salaries i understand that um but like Ryan is saying, the lack of transparency, literally for the last two months, we've been pushing something to y'all that like, if Ryan and I have very recently, both of us have stepped slightly above the poverty line um, in specifically in like North Carolina. Ryan and I make enough that we are not considered to be low income but we are, I don't know if I would be considered middle-class. Um, I think if I, I am, I'm on that bottom. Ryan and I um, make a living wage, whatever that, yes, yes. I, I, whatever that means. <laughs> yes. make a living um, wage. Yes. We make, we make living wages for the cities that we live in and um, that those kinds of living wages don't necessarily account for like excess, like hobbies so there are still things that like we have to how do I say this there's a certain amount of like literacy that like 
you have to have to be able to maintain recurring payments um, and to not overdraft and to not be a dummy and to not do all these things. <laughs> and thinking, just thinking about like how like t- t- full transparency, the year 2019, when I filed my taxes, I made $8,000 in taxable income. That was for an entire year. There is no way that if I could maybe potentially think about supporting a situation like this for $3 a month. Yeah. Because that would just mean that like, oh, like I just won't go down to the coffee shop. Like I'd rather Mm -hmm. do this than go down to the coffee shop, you know? Mm -hmm. But also if I had to add anything else to that, it would immediately become too much unsustainable yeah yeah so so yeah so we just want to let y'all know that we did not mean to like put y'all in a position that would require more money um from y'all and our goal was to never like drain y'all's pockets but to give y'all an option to i guess have an active participation in our creation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because we have no patrons and because we're assuming that that's because of that, that pay barrier, (laughs) extra block. Yeah. We have to find a different way to connect with y'all that doesn't exhaust us emotionally, mentally, physically, or financially. So that is why we're switching. Yeah. Just one that we have time for, you know, because yeah we do have full-time jobs (laughs) we do have full-time jobs and also i don't like aspire to have patreon like first of all this is going to take us to the highest highs we already know that walda's dreams is paving a path but i don't want to pave that path with our listeners money um i'd rather pay that path monetizing a different way um so that's all of that (laughs) <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so if you've been thinking about subscribing to our patreon hold nope. that thought um <laughs> when season four airs we will have more information for you because this is vague but we just we had a nice little conversation about it and we wanted to be transparent with y'all about what's on our minds um and yeah i think that i think that kind of wraps it up yeah i think that'll do it um uh, so yeah, so stay tuned for, again, um, the rest of this episode is just going to be a little spooky Halloween story for you. Um, and then next week, still in line with Halloween, um, we're going to revisit Nayo from season one. She sent in, yeah. she yes. sent in, okay, uh, another, um, another dream, but this one Halloween themed. So we're going to end this season on a very appropriate note uh, and look at Naya's dream next week, um, which I'm super excited about. And then again, we'll, we're going to be gone for who's to say, and then we'll, we'll be back with season four. But um, in the meantime, please do all of those things. Rate, review, subscribe, please share, um, you know, Check telling just one person list. about the podcast. <laughs> Check out Yovana's birthday with list, which it will, um, is October 25th. It'll be 27 um, on the 25th. Oh, so the 25th you were, so that was, so that was your like golden year, 25 on the 25th. Yeah. That was the year I was homeless. 
Mm, Wait, no, yeah, it wasn't. 16. I was no, 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 no. I was, I was gonna... 24. 25 was the year I had that big ass birthday party in my new house. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Good, good step off. Yeah, 25 was good. 25 was good. Um, yeah, and that was literally right before the pandemic. That was my last birthday, like large birthday party with strangers. Um, there was one more thing that I wanted to say. What was it? Oh, um, we might be after this season, we might not come back until next year. We might take a long holiday. So, so please yeah. emotionally prepare yourself for that. Um, we will <laughs> when I was gone. when I was saying we'll come back, I like I was gonna say uh, and then I realized that we had talked about maybe not coming back till January. So I was like, we'll we'll yeah. be back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um there's just like a lot of like I know that my work is going to pick up a little bit. Um, I know that your work is definitely going to pick up. You're going to pick up a and lot. This is, tis the season. Tis the season. So, um, tis the Maybe break. we can, like, one holiday episode or, like, a November. We can, like, check in. Well, Let's we can talk about, about that it. later. Yeah. No, we can talk about I say, it. I say, like you it. didn't hear that. Close your ears. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, but before we give away any, like, spoilers that may or may not come to fruition let's just go ahead let's get into ryan's story uh, hope you all enjoy thanks for listening and um yeah we will see list here talk at you guys <laughs> we will talk at you guys next week <laughs> Presenting The Nightwire, written by H. F. Arnold, read by me, Ryan Piper. New York, September 30th, CP Flash. Ambassador Hollowell died here today. The end came suddenly, as the ambassador was alone in his study. There's something ungodly about these nightwire jobs. You sit up here on the top floor of a skyscraper and listen in to the whispers of a civilization. New York, London, Calcutta, Bombay, Singapore. They're your next door neighbors after the streetlights go dim and the world has gone to sleep. Alone in the quiet hours between two and four, the receiving operators doze over their sounders and the news comes in. Fires and disasters and suicides, murders, crowds, catastrophes. Sometimes an earthquake with a casualty list as long as your arm. The nightwire man takes it down almost in its sleep, picking it off his typewriter with one finger. Once in a long time, you prick up your ears and listen. You've heard of someone you knew in Singapore, Halifax, or Paris long ago. Maybe they've been promoted. What more probably, they've been murdered or drowned. Perhaps they decided to quit and took some bizarre way out. Made it interesting enough to get in on the news. But that doesn't happen often. Most of the time, you sit and doze and tap. Tap on your typewriter and wish you were home in bed. Sometimes, though, queer things happen. 
One did the other night, and I haven't got over it yet. I wish I could. You see, I handle the night manager's desk in a western seaport town. What the name is doesn't matter. There is, or rather was, only one night operator on my staff. A fellow named John Morgan, about 40 years of age, I should say, and a sober, hard-working sort. He was one of the best operators I ever knew, what is known as a double man. That means he could handle two instruments at once and type the stories on different typewriters at the same time. He was one of the three men I ever knew who could do it consistently, hour after hour, and never make a mistake. Generally, we used only one wire at night, but sometimes, when it was late and the news was coming fast, the Chicago and Denver stations would open a second wire, and then Morgan would do his stuff. He was a wizard, a mechanical, automatic wizard, which functioned marvelously, but was without imagination. On the night of the 16th, he complained of feeling tired. It was the first and last time I had ever heard him say a word about himself, and I had known him for three years. It was just three o'clock, and we were running only one wire. I was nodding over the reports at my desk and not paying much attention to him when he spoke. Jim, he said, does it feel close in here to you? Why, no, John, I answered, but I'll open a window if you like. Never mind, he said. I reckon I'm just a little tired. That was all that was said, and went on working. Every ten minutes or so, I would walk over and take a pile of copy that had stacked up neatly beside the typewriter as the messages were printed out in triplicate. It must have been twenty minutes after he spoke that I noticed he had opened up the other wire and was using both typewriters. I thought it was a little unusual, as there was nothing very hot coming in. On my next trip, I picked up the copy from both machines and took it back to my desk to sort out the duplicates. The first wire was running out the usual sort of stuff, and I just looked over it, hurriedly. Then I turned to the second pile of copy. I remembered it particularly because of the story was from a town that I had never heard of. Xebico. Here's the dispatch. I saved a duplicate of it from our files. Xebico. September 16th. CP Bulletin. The heaviest mist in the history of the city settled over the town at 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. All traffic has stopped and the mist hangs like a pall over everything. Lights of ordinary intensity fail to pierce the fog which is consistently growing heavier. Scientists here are unable to agree as to the cause and the local weather bureau states that the light has never occurred before in the history of the city. At 7 p.m. last night, the municipal authorities... That was all there was. Nothing out of the ordinary at a bureau headquarters, but, as I say, I noticed the story because of the name of the town. It must have been 15 minutes later that I went over for another batch of copy. Morgan had slumped down in his chair and had switched his green electric light shade so that the gleam missed his eyes, and only the top of the two typewriters... Only the usual stuff was in the right-hand pile, but the left-hand batch carried another story from Zebico. All press dispatches come in takes, meaning that the parts of many different stories are strung along together, 
perhaps with but a few paragraphs of each coming through at a time. The second story was marked, Add Fog. Here's the copy. At 7 p.m., the fog had increased noticeably. All lights were now invisible, and the town was shrouded in pitch darkness. As a peculiarity of the phenomenon, the fog is accompanied by a sickly odor comparable to nothing yet experienced here. Below that, in customary press fashion, was the hour, 327, and the initials of the operator, J.M. There was only one other story in the pile from the second wire. Here it is. Accounts as to the origin of the mist differ greatly. Among the most unusual is that of the sexton of the local church who groped his way to headquarters in a hysterical condition and declared that the fog originated in the village churchyard. It was first visible as a soft gray blanket clinging to the earth above the graves, he stated. Then it began to rise, higher and higher. A subterranean breeze seemed to blow in its billows, which split up and then joined together again. Fog phantoms, writhing in anguish, twisted into the mist into queer forms and figures, and then, in the very thick midst of mass, something moved. I turned and ran from the accursed spot. Behind me, I heard screams coming from the houses bordering on the graveyard. Although the sexton's story is generally discredited, a party has left to investigate. Immediately after telling his story, the sexton collapsed and is now in a local hospital, unconscious. Queer story, wasn't it? Not that we aren't used to it, for a lot of unusual stories come in over the wire. But for some reason or other, perhaps it was so quiet that night, the report of the fog made a great impression on me. It was almost without dread that I went over to the waiting piles of copy. Morgan did not move, and the only sound in the room was the tap-tap of the sounders. It was ominous, nerve-wracking. There was another story from Zebico in the pile of the copy. I seized on it anxiously. The rescue party which went out at 11 p.m. to investigate a weird story of the origin of the fog which, since late yesterday, has shrouded the city in darkness, has failed to return. Another and larger party has been dispatched. Meanwhile, the fog has, if possible, grown heavier. It seeps through the cracks in the doors and fills the atmosphere with a depressing odor of decay. It is oppressive, terrifying, bearing with it a subtle impression of things long dead. Residents of the city have left their homes and gathered in the local church where the priests are holding services of prayer. The scene is beyond description. Grown folk and children are alike terrified and many are almost beside themselves with fear. Amid the wisps of vapor which partly veil the church auditorium, an old priest is praying for the welfare of his flock. They alternately wail and cross themselves. From the outskirts of the city may be heard cries of unknown voices. They echo through the fog in queer, uncadenced minor keys. The sounds resemble nothing so much as wind whistling through a gigantic tunnel. But the night is calm and there is no wind. The second rescue party. I am a calm man, and never in a dozen years spent with the wires have I been known to become excited, but despite myself, I rose from my chair and walked to the window. Could I be mistaken, or far down in the canons of the city beneath me did I see a faint trace of fog? N no, no, 
it was all imagination. In the press room, the click of the sounders seemed to have raised the tempo of their tune. Morgan alone had not stirred from his chair. His head sunk between his shoulders. He tapped the dispatches out on the typewriters with one finger of each hand. He looked asleep, but no. Endlessly, efficiently, the two machines rattled off line after line, as resentlessly and effortlessly as death itself. There was something about the monotonous movement of the typewriter keys that fascinated me. I walked over and stood behind his chair, reading over his shoulder the type as it came into being, word by word. Oh, here was another. There will be no more bulletins from this office. The impossible has happened. No messages have come into this room for 20 minutes. We are cut off from the outside and even the streets below us. I will stay with the wire until the end. It is the end, indeed. Since 4 p.m. yesterday, the fog has hung over the city. Following reports from the sexton of the local church, two rescue parties were sent out to investigate conditions on the outskirts of the city. Neither party has ever returned, nor has any word received from them. It is quite certain now that they will never return. From my instrument, I gaze down on the city beneath me. From the position of this room on the 13th floor, nearly the entire city can be seen. Now I can see only a thick blanket of blackness where customarily are lights and life. I fear greatly that the wailing cries heard consistently from the outskirts of the city are the death cries of the inhabitants. They are consistently increasing in volume and are approaching the center of the city. The fog yet hangs over everything. If possible, it is even heavier than before, but the conditions have changed. Instead of an opaque, impenetrable wall of odorless vapor, there are now swirls and writhes, a shapeless mass and contortions of almost human agony. Now and again, the mass parts, and I catch a brief glimpse of the streets below. The fog is not simply vapor, it lives. By the side of each moaning and weeping human is a companion figure, an aura of strange and varied-colored hues. How the shapes cling, each to a living thing. The men and women are down, flat on their faces. The fog figures caress them lovingly. They are kneeling beside them. They are... God. Oh, but I dare not tell it. The prone and writhing bodies have been stripped of their clothing, they are being consumed piecemeal. A merciful wall of hot, steaming vapor has swept over this whole scene. I can see no more. Beneath the wall of vapor is changing colors. It seems to be lighted by internal fires. No, no, it isn't. I've made a mistake. The colors are from above, reflections from the sky. Look up, look up. Up, the whole sky is in flames, color as yet unseen by man or demon. The flames are moving, they have started to intermix. The colors are rearranging themselves. They are so brilliant that my eyes burn, yet they are a long way off. Now they have begun to swirl, to circle in and out, twisting in intricate designs and patterns. 
The lights are racing, each with each, a kaleidoscope of unearthly brilliance. Oh, I have made a discovery. There's nothing harmful in the lights. They radiate force and friendliness, almost cheeriness, but by their very strength. Ah, God, ah, they hurt. As I look, they are swinging closer and closer, a million miles at each jump, millions of miles with the speed of light. I, it is the light of quintessence of all light. Beneath the, the fog melts into a jeweled mist radiant, rainbow-colored, of a thousand varied spectra. I can see the streets. Why, they are filled with people. The lights are coming closer. They're all around me. The message stopped abruptly. The wire to Zebico was dead. Beneath my eyes in the narrow circle of light from under the green lampshade, the black printing of no longer spun itself, letter by letter, across the page. The room seemed filled with a solemn quiet, a silence vaguely impressive, powerful. I looked down at Morgan. His hands had dropped nervously at his sides, while his body had hunched over peculiarly. I turned the lampshade back, throwing light squarely in his face. His eyes were staring, fixed. Filled with a sudden foreboding, I stepped beside him and called Chicago on the wire. After a second, the sounder clicked its answer. Why? But there was something wrong. Chicago was reporting that Wire 2 had not been used throughout the evening. Morgan, I shouted. Morgan, wake up. It isn't true. Someone has been hoaxing us. Why? In my eagerness, I grasped him by the shoulder. His body was quite cold. Morgan had been dead for hours. Could it be that his sensitized brain and automatic fingers had continued to record impressions even after the end? I shall never know, for I shall never again handle the night shift. Search in a world atlas discloses of no town of Zebico. And whatever it is that killed John Morgan will forever remain a mystery.